0: Sunday, April 23rd. I am Nick Jelso, and this is episode 206 of Celtics Beat. Episode 206 of Celtics Beat fans, it's game day in Boston. I'm Nick Jelso, not Larry H. Russell. He's out on assignment. I get the privilege of sitting in the host chair today on Celtics Beat, and I can't tell you how thrilled I am. We have quite the show lined up for you. We're going to take you out to Chicago before Game 4. With all of the recaps from Game 3, we're going to talk to Jared Weiss of CLNS Radio. That's Jared Weiss, NBA. He's going to give us a touch on all things going on in the Celtics practice on Saturday, all things Game 3 on Friday, and a preview for Game 4 on Sunday. And folks, just when you thought that was enough, now we have more for you. Following Jared Weiss, I I hooked up with, with Mike Gorman, legendary voice of the Boston Celtics for our friends over at CSN and E!, Mike checked in on the Celtics. He gave us Brad Stevens, some really interesting nuggets on, on Brad Stevens and how he's been able to to really hold the team together, in Mike's words, as a friend, a brother, and a father figure to his team. And and games one and two, going into that game, obviously traumatic news, you know, tragedy with Isaiah Thomas's sister, China Thomas. And then on top of that, he had to pull them together and, and really do game prep Brad Stevens, top five coach in the NBA, right? One of the best. Legendary Mike Gorman agrees in the second half of the show. And he had his team prepared. But the difference maker in Game 3 seemed to be Isaiah being able to go out, put some closure on the situation in Seattle. And then, of course, uh, the Kevin Garnett voice message to Ed Lissert, the trainer. I mean, could you get any better storytelling material here for Celtics fans? I mean... Kevin Garnett leaves a voicemail on the trainer, Ed Lissert's voicemail, for the team. You heard it. You're going to hear it right now. Avery Bradley is going to tell you about it. What was that message from KG? Um, He
1: just told us. He said, you know, you can either play two ways. You can either make excuses and say it's emotional. Oh, let's give up this year and worry about next year. Or you can fight and fight for his
0: family. And that's what we did. That was taken from the post-game presser on Friday night, Game 3, and and you could hear it in Avery Bradley's voice. You could hear a lot more from Avery Bradley, too, at the YouTube channel for CLNS, youtube.com forward slash CLNS radio. There you can find all the post-game pressers, practice pressers, even from out in Chicago, Pre-game pressers for tonight's game, this afternoon's game versus the Bulls, game 4 and of course all the work from Jared Weiss and all of our great podcasters Coach Nick, B-Ball Breakdown, Real GM Danny LaRue and the list goes on and on and on oh and this show, this show is also available on the CLNS Radio mobile app and the YouTube channel with everything else so back to the game, Avery Bradley, you know here's a a guy that I have covered in the locker room, I've, I've gotten to Uh, observe Avery in situations with the media, and you want to talk about a soft-spoken, humble, level, level guy. That's Avery Bradley, and you you heard it right here after Game 3. Bradley was pumped up, more so than I've ever heard him, from KG's message prior to game time to tip off. And If you listen to the practice pressers from yesterday, Saturday, you'll also notice it kind of impacted all the players. Jared Weiss is going to join us now, talk to us about Kevin Garnett's impactful message, but more importantly, how the Celtics have have kind of changed their demeanor, taken momentum back in this series, and maybe, quite possibly, quite possibly are the favorites again. In the last couple weeks of the regular season, as seating was being figured out, Jimmy, Jared, and I on the Garden Report on discussed who were probably the least best opponent for the Celtics. I had the Bulls, but I had the Rondo Bulls. And Jimmy and Jared, their predictions or their best-case scenarios kind of seem to be relevant again as the Bulls are now without Rondo. And Jared Weiss is going to join us now to tell you where he thinks they now stand in the series. Then hang tight. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk with Mike Gorman, legendary play-by-play man for the Boston Celtics. But first, a word to keep the lights on. Today's episode of Celtics Beat is powered by Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Did you know that cooking together creates great, strong family bonds? And research shows that Blue Apron families cook three times more often together. Those who spend a lot of money at restaurants and high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Meals this month include cashew stir-fry chicken with mango and mandarins and jasmine rice, crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad, Udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs. These are just some of the meals I tried this month with Blue Apron. They make it easy, they make it fast, they make it affordable, and it's super, super high quality. If you enjoy Celtics speed and have been curious about Blue Apron, why not pump up our show by trying Blue Apron and not risking anything, honestly? You could check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping. That's by going to blueapron.com forward slash Celtics beat. You'll love how good it feels and it tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Go to blueapron.com forward slash Celtics beat. Jared Weiss joining us from the Windy City in Chicago. Jared, is it windy out there? I mean,
2: that is how they got the name, right? It's pretty much like Boston,
0: but just more lakes. So yeah, right. So and uh you transplanted from Boston to Chicago, traveling on the road with the team. Big difference in game one and two versus game three. Jared, the mentality, the mood around the team after game three has to be quite a bit better.
2: Yeah, I mean the somberness has been lifted to a degree that was pretty noticeable in the first couple games. I mean the KG speech Oh, we gotta t- go there oh god telling them to take the tragedy of isaiah and use it as fire to make them proud i mean that they're they're kind of walking
0: that now Jared, and how i mean yes you're you're covering the team now you're a journalist but you're still a fan at heart those that no that's, that's not true that's actually not true at all okay so that kg had no effect on you whatsoever
2: I mean that yeah, has an effect from an emotional impact, sure. But I mean I'm not a not a fan of the team anymore or anything near that. But I certainly I, I like everyone on the team and I and I hope that they do well and obviously I want to see the team succeed because I get to continue to cover the team and I get to see people that I that I work around and enjoy. Uh, succeed and uh, we get more basketball, which is always great. And I like seeing positive stuff. I don't like seeing people suffer and lose and stuff like that. I like being around winning because it's a more positive uh, environment and it's more enjoyable. So I, the AG thing was amazing and it, it, it's incredible from so many standpoints that to, to see like this kind of ominous presence that Garnett could have looming in, like he's a deity of Celtics lore I mean, it's 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 like a
0: it's almost a biblical story, really. It's pretty amazing. I mean, from my standpoint, definitely had the chills going right through me because Kevin Garnett's still giving the, the Boston Celtics assists even in retirement, and you could see how it affected Avery Bradley. Uh, so now back in in Chicago, the, the series has shifted, the momentum has shifted. The Celtics are back in the series. Jared on the Garden report on after Game Three, uh, you had mentioned Rondo two times as being, you know, kind of like what's dictating the difference in this series. So you're putting a lot of value in, in Rondo. Far be it for me to put words in your mouth. Why don't you tell us exactly how you feel the loss of Rondo impacts a team?
2: Now, that's exactly what I was saying on the guard report, and it's it's still it's even more true the next day, watching the way that the Celtics were able to go against the Bulls defense where Rondo was playing quarterback on both ends and I think his impact was even More, I think his consistent leadership was more impactful on the defensive end. He is so he's so valuable to calling out assignments, helping them improvise on defense, helping them find their way out of tough situations, mismatches stuff like that. Not having Rondo on the floor anymore really kills them. There, I mean, their offense struggled obviously, but like Rondo, Rondo was great in game two. I would have been surprised. To see him play at that like kind of all star level every single game in the series offensively, but his communicative leadership is like the biggest thing that he contributes to this team, and his consistency I mean for a guy that's been really inconsistent throughout his career on both ends, he seemed to be kind of Consistent engaged big moments yeah he he was so engaged the entire game and that was really big for them. And he's on the sideline. He's you know his his real contribution in Game Three was trip, trying to trip.
0: Jake yeah, Pratter. yeah, come on. <laughs> that was but great. That was great. Typical Rondo, right? And and then his greatest comp- uh, contribution to Game Three was also the the post game press conference. Uh, well, he said he was asked about it in the post game press conference, and he
2: said what happened was that when you tear your ACL, <laughs> yes, which was yes. him you know, tearing it a few years ago that sometimes you just need to stretch your leg out. And he just happened to <laughs> be opportune stretching. moments. And Jay Crowder just happened to be running a little too close to the Bulls bench.
0: So. And it just happened to be right around the time. I think Jay Crowder blew, blew a kiss to the Bulls bench. Or he did something kind of. Uh, uh,
2: well, he had, uh, he had just scored and then he ran up the sideline right. like, on top of them. So, I mean, it was pretty obvious what Crowder was doing there. Um, Mark Murphy, the Boston Herald, just reported that the NBA might look at, do an investigation into this one.
1: It well,
2: doesn't, doesn't seem like that hard of an investigation. Um, uh, uh, just, no, it's all on just, tape.
0: Just, this is alibi. We have the tape. Uh, so we'll see how long that takes. Uh, today at practice, you posted on uh, YouTube.com slash CLNS radio where all the postgame pressers are and the practice pressers. Brad Stevens said he's going to stick with Gerald Green in game four. Before we hone in on that comment, how big, how bold was the Gerald Green move in game three to put him in the starting lineup?
2: Uh, it was a huge risk. Um, I'm trying to remember who said that. I can't even remember. Oh, Maybe. I remember. Maybe. I know. I'm, I'm with you. Uh,
0: it was, Just, it was it was Al Horford. Yeah, yeah, it was Al Horford.
2: Yeah. So Al said it was a huge risk. It really was. He said that in the post game presser after Game Three, I believe. And um, it was it was this massive risk where you're putting it's not because like I expected them to put Kelly Olynyk in. I thought that the, so I thought the move was going to be they were going to start Olynyk and then Gerald was going to be the eighth man instead of Jonas Cherepko mm-hmm. and and, or Jalen Brown as well. It would be Rogier, Smart, and Gerald Green, and then maybe Amir Johnson would play a little bit here or there. Um, so it was kind of what I expected, but putting Gerald in that starting lineup was a huge risk. But you go back and you just look at the tape and you see that not only did they change the starting lineup, but they changed the type of actions that they yeah. ran on offense. Um, they used a lot of plays where they would do staggered screens, so you'd have Al Horford and Gerald Green kind of lined up together to set multiple screens, and then they split out into different actions. One guy will pop to the elbow, one guy will roll down the lane. They don't they don't do a lot of that stuff usually. Most of their most of their interactions at the top of the key are usually um, pick and rolls between the point guard and the center, one five high pick and roll, or dribble handoffs on the elbows, player screens, stuff like that this was a, this was kind of a different offensive game plan and it worked so well. And, you know, obviously the, really the biggest difference in the game was that they hit a lot of their open shots and they were missing tons of wide open threes that if they made, I mean, in game one, they lost by a few enough points that if they had just hit like a couple of the wide open threes that they were missing, they probably, that would have been the difference right there. Um, Game two, they just got blown out of the water completely. Uh, but it, the Celtics have not only made an adjustment in lineup stuff, but they've made an adjustment in game plan style. And that that was, I think, where the real win came
0: for them. It was almost as if Brad Stevens up the ante. I think, like you said, people were – we were all kind of assuming he was going to go a little bit bigger to contain Lopez and then maybe inject a, a, a Gerald Green. Uh, but to put him in the starting lineup and then change a lot of the actions, it really – It showed the chess match and coaching, and I think that the perception—not necessarily the 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 truth—but the perception among a lot of fans was that Brad Stevens had kind of was a deer in headlights in Game One and Two. But let me tell you, Game Three, he had complete control of his team. I
2: I think it's pretty. I mean, obviously, that's what that's what fans are going to do, right? They do. No, there's nobody that thinks that Brad Stevens is a deer in headlights. He's a patient guy, but you know people people have always said that about Fred Hoiberg as well. And then Fred Hoiberg all of a
0: sudden looked like a coaching genius in the first. Yes, he did, and like, uh, he 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 looked like he was out coaching Stevens uh, Hoiberg. But in game three, he was not prepared for any of the adjustments. Now Hoiberg says he's not changing any lineups for, or he may change the lineups for yeah. game four. While Brad is going to stick with Gerald. So what what do you kind of see going on as far as lineups go for Game Four? So
2: I'm sorry with Hoiberg. Hoiberg yeah. is going to take Jerry and Grant out of the starting lineup, and he's going to have to roll without that a point guard. So well, Jimmy Butler will be the point guard. It looks like Dwayne Wade will probably run some point. Um, the Celtics. I mean, I talked to Marcus Smart about that. He's he likes the idea of Jimmy Butler being the point guard. He thinks it's better for, for them. I think because, so. And this is what Smart told me was that they. Keeping track of Butler is like the hardest. thing. Mm-hmm. He is one of the great players off the ball in the NBA, and with Robin Lopez setting screens for him, he like he's he's a slippery snake that they can't control. And the Cobra himself now likes the idea of the fact that with Butler on the ball, he's coming down the court. They are in front of him. They know where he is. They can stay on top of him. It makes it. It makes it puts more pressure on Butler to beat them head on as opposed to getting around and through them, which is something that he's done really well. I mean, most of Butler's most of Butler's success has been off-ball shooting and uh, transition game, but we did see a little more of it in Game 3, where he was able to attack Smart off the dribble, attack Bradley off the dribble a little bit too. Um, I, I, think, I think that this is the team that the Celtics were hoping to face, a team where Rondo isn't playing well, and Butler has a responsibility with the ball the entire time. Um, the, I think this is a win-win situation. This is, this is a, a winning situation for the Celtics, and I like. I really like their chances of taking another one here.
0: Before we go on and get a uh, game four, I guess preview prediction. I, I want to just one guy we have not. One gentleman we have not m- mentioned is is Lopez, and they've neutralized him at least in game three. How can they keep him under control in game four? Well,
2: I mean. the Steven said that one of the reasons that he wanted green starting at the four or three or four, however you want to call it with him and Cratter, but um, it was so that Al would be at the five and he would be on Robin Lopez. And that would pull, that would make sure that they could pull Lopez away from the rim and open up the interior, which worked um, and then just have Horford just fighting Lopez on the boards. And while Lopez still is able to get around Horford a lot of the time, the numbers bore out that Lopez didn't play, he only played about 19 minutes, I think. They kind of went away mm-hmm. from him because it wasn't, it just wasn't working. Stevens with forced them to by going smaller, right? Yeah. So I think I think they can solve this issue with Lopez by just not having him out there most of the time. <sighs> Which um, helps
0: the Celtics incredibly on the rebounding end.
2: It does, yeah, because like Horford's always going to get beat by Lopez. Not only is Lopez one of the best rebounders in the league, but Horford really struggles with these big physical rebounders. And we, we just saw a bunch of plays over the first three games where – Horford as the inside position when the ball goes up, and Lopez just slips under him from the baseline and then pushes back out and has a rebounding position. And he's seven feet tall, so he's got a little bit more of a height advantage as well. So, um, you know, the game rebounding program finally worked for them in game three, and I don't think that. Adjusting the starting lineup by taking the point guard out is going to make a massive change there for Chicago. It's really more of a question: Is 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 Chicago's offense going to be better? Can there can they actually manufacture better looks than they were able to in Game Three? And the other
0: question is: Are the Celtics going to hit perimeter uh, shots? And if they don't, <laughs> if they don't, Jared, how could they stay in the game? Not a let their not allow their their poor offense to dictate how they play defense.
2: Well, they won, they won game three pretty convincingly. So if they start sure. missing more shots, then I think it just makes us a really you know what, tight that, game.
0: That is a very, very good – that is such bare bones and analysis. I love it. That's like Jelso style. I like that. You're right. There's a good buffer there. So, Jared, before you go, you're giving us the best impression of Doc Rivers without even knowing you're doing it. <laughs> so how about, how about uh, give us predictions for game four in Doc Rivers' voice? So just talk. OK, well, now that Blake, <laughs> Blake, we got to get Blake. <laughs> I really do sound like Doc after
2: a double overtime. Game. You do. It's, it's <laughs> not bad right. officiating. Yeah, I've been fighting off this cold for days. And it's getting to me. But uh, I, I think they're going to win game four. I mean, I don't think Chicago has a wrinkle in them. Now that Rondo's gone, that's going to somehow fix this problem. I mean, all their guys are playing pretty well. Butler Butler started one for twelve in that game and he didn't start getting going until the last two minutes of the third quarter. It's the same exact thing that happened in game one. It was like a carbon copy of game one. So but it's it's really I think this series is now back to that place that it was when we started this before the series, where the predictions were basically the bulls the bulls will go as far as Jimmy Butler will carry them. And Butler's played well so far, but he hasn't been he hasn't been elite he's been good on defense he's been good scoring in the you know the last like quarter and a half mm-hmm. of the game but they need him to score the entire game he needs to be scoring 35 points a night if they want to get in this one i'm i'm not I'm not, yeah. the, I'm not the kind of person to say like a guy needs to score a certain amount of points like a, like a
0: garbage shaquille o'neal analysis i have to hit on this the Celtics scoring was so evenly distributed in game 3 isaiah didn't have to score 46 points he didn't have to score 30 hell he didn't have to score 20 how can the celtics continue to get that kind of Distribution in offense—we've not seen that in a long time, Jared.
2: I mean, Terry Rogier was hitting like step-back threes, yeah. sakes in this game. I mean, everybody was hitting. Uh, Horford really took it to them in the high post. I mean, they were running—they were running clear-outs for him to just like take a guy head-on from the top of the key, and he was getting to the rim pretty well. So. Not having Amir Johnson on the floor when they do that makes that doable because they have they can pull four guys out to the perimeter and give them enough space to get to the rim or to play make. So continuing to stay small is the option here. They're fighting fire with ice and it's working right now.
0: He's Jared Weiss. He's in Chicago for CLNS Radio. You can find him on Twitter at Jared Weiss NBA. Of course, the CLNS Radio YouTube channel. Still pumping out all the material in the postseason, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio. Jared, I'll catch you Wednesday night in Boston. All right, Nick, see you soon. Safe travels, buddy. Thanks to CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss for taking time out of his busy coverage schedules to chill with us for a couple minutes and, and, of course, give some great analysis of Game 3 from Friday and, of course, today's game, Game 4. A crucial must win for the Boston Celtics. The difference between going back to Boston, tied in the series 2-2, or down 3-1, it's drastic. And compound that with Rajon Rondo not being able to play, the Celtics seeming to come back together after what was a rocky patch, and momentum swinging back to Boston. Yeah, the Celtics have to have to win. Game four, it's a must-win. So we're going to continue on our trip out to Chicago, and you heard Jared Weiss. He's not a fan of the Celtics. Well, let me tell you, the guy we have coming up next, Mike Gorman, one side of the longest tenured broadcast duo in the NBA, legend in the industry, and also an admitted homer. So, mr gorman i'm so thrilled to be able to have him on the show today with me anyway let's go directly to mike gorman in chicago hey mike thanks for joining celtics beat it's great to have you on the show out there in chicago how you doing
1: i'm a little tired but pretty good pretty good uh good win last night that's for sure so spirits are high
0: no question good win last night let's let's start right there the obvious question is how is Isaiah, and that's an obvious answer. So let me ask you this: Brad Stevens holding the team together the way he's had to in the last, you know, since the news of Isaiah's sister. How's Brad doing?
1: Brad's doing quite well. Uh, he's got his whole family out here with him. A lot of the coaches brought their families with him. He's that's a very important thing for Brad, uh, his family, and so that's very supportive for him. You know, I, I talked to him about this during the week that you know he had to go from coach to father figure to big brother figure that he had a lot of roles that he had to play and that had to be emotionally exhausting uh but no he seems more than equal to the task and uh, isaiah seems to have uh, benefited from his trip home
0: no question now you saw it on friday night uh in game three the keys to Game Three, otherwise, you know, without Rondo being there, obviously that's the obvious difference. But I saw a lot of different, uh, a lot of difference makers from Game One and Two. Mike, talk to me a bit about what you saw.
1: Well, I, I saw a very impressive bench in the second half. Yeah. They they only had four points at halftime total, and they ended up with thirty one for the game, so twenty seven points and a half for your bench is exceptional. Uh, the number of assists the Celtics had, I think, it was in the thirties, uh, was also very impressive. Uh, and, and they shot a good percentage of the threes, which they didn't early. So, uh, you know, the, the Celtics are who they are. They're a three point shooting team that, that defends, uh, and they did both last night and they got performances from a lot of different people. Crowder played very well. I thought, uh, guys off the bench, smart, Jurebko, Terry Rozier, Avery
0: Bradley.
1: Minutes. um, again, everybody who was called upon stepped up and played and, you know, it. Sounds crazy to say, but even though they're down two-one in the series, I think the Celtics are in pretty good shape. I'm
0: right I'm with you. I think the entire the entire momentum has somewhat shifted, but they the Celtics, for obvious reasons, kind of looked like deer in headlights after the pressers in Game One and Two, and on Friday night they seemed locked in, confident, and seemed to have their swagger back a little bit too.
1: Yeah, they did have their edge back a little bit. I noticed that right away when they were on the court. Um, you know, I, I and, and the, the team would tell you they, they'd want to face the best they can face, but the fact that there was no Rondo, Scal and I were, were amazed. You know, Scal, of course, played here in Chicago, right. and so he has a lot of contact with White here, Mamba. Uh, and, up, and he, exactly, that's where it all began. <laughs> uh, and, and I have also talked to a lot of guys over the years and become friends with him in Chicago, and both of us were really surprised how the Chicago people did not feel the loss of Rondo was a big deal. Uh, they, they thought that they would do quite well. Without him, as well, without him as they did with him, and you know, Scal and I just didn't see it the same way at all. I think Rondo was the difference in Game One and Game Two, and and really was kind of the wild card that the Celtics weren't really effectively able to deal with. So the fact that he suddenly went down, and you're talking about Jerry and Grant and Michael Carter Williams, the drop off there at that position is precipitous. And,
0: um, and the intangibles.
1: Advantage of it last night. One one thing I haven't read in too many of the write ups was. Avery Bradley had, uh, Butler ended up with 20 points or something like that. I don't have a box score in front of Mm -hmm. me. But he was one for 11 at one point in in the game, and that was mostly because of Avery Bradley. So the combination of Rondo being out and Bradley's defense on on Butler uh, really was something
0: Chicago couldn't cope with. Well, uh, hating the plus minus, I know that's cliche, but Jimmy Butler minus 27. Uh, Bradley definitely yeah, really, had an
1: impact. He really struggled. I mean, I, I'm sure we're going to see a, a monstrous effort out of him on Sunday night. But Avery Bradley will be there again to disrupt it as much as possible. And uh, Again, I, I know uh, I'm curious about it uh, because I'd I love to hear what they think. But I know the odds makers in Vegas, <laughs> Bondo announced he had broken his thumb. Chicago went from a two-and-a-half-point favorite to a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Yeah. That's a 5 that's that's a huge swing in, in, in those terms of the wise guys so obviously the wise guys think the Celtics the are wise guys guys the, the advances here so hope they're right well they're
0: and, and we we know from especially you of course know and talking about you and Scal touched upon we know the impact Rajon Rondo has on players I mean he makes Wade look five years younger um and I and he gets Jimmy Butler Butler easier shots Rondo coming yeah. into this series for me, at least on uh, the appearances I made on at the at the guard and whatnot, he was he was the key to this series for me because I thought he just pulled it all together. So Rondo being gone now, huge impact. also Rondo's defense on Isaiah has been was very good in game one and two, even though Isaiah had a great game one. So the loss of Rondo, Rondo is pretty huge.
1: As, as we know from experience, Rondo's a great player. When he when
0: wants, he to, wants be. to be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And,
1: uh, it, it appeared, you know, which I thought was really dangerous for the Celtics coming in here, um, it appeared that he and Wade and, and uh, Butler had gotten together the and R- decided, okay, you know, we can make some noise in a threesome
0: here. Mike, they uh, look like the big know. three are big three. Garnett yes, Pierce, they, they look like the big three on uh, after Tuesday night's win. I looked at that and thought – Holy cow. Uh, this could be a major problem because they seem to be so synced up. And the, talking yeah. of the big three, I'm sure that you heard on ESPN and the press or afterwards, Avery Bradley mentioned a message from KG that went through Ed Lissert to the locker room. Yes. How awesome is it yeah. that Ke- Kevin Garnett is still giving the Celtics assists?
1: Yeah, I, I know. And then he's, he's sending messages through the train and stuff. I love that's that. Cool. That's the
0: funniest part, the red lacert. But what a difference. And Avery was so uh, intense in that postgame presser. We both know Avery is such a quiet and humble guy. He just was so fired up. And that's where I feel the intensity difference or the, the swagger is back. And potentially this series truly is swinging back uh, in the Celtics' favor. You, you touched on that earlier, Mike. Talk about that a bit.
1: Yeah, I just, I just feel, you know, they are the number one seed against the number eight seed, and, right? And I do think the seedings probably are, are all messed up this year for a number of reasons we mm-hmm. talked a long time about. But uh, I, I do think, even though the Celtics are down one-two in this series, I think they've reestablished some sense of order to it, and uh, that combined with the, with the lack of Rondo to direct the Chicago attack, uh, and it falls solely now on the shoulders of again Jerry and Grant or Michael Carter Williams. I think it's. Distinctly the Boston advantage. So uh, to say that you're in great shape down oh two one,
0: one two, two right? Yeah,
1: sounds crazy, uh, but but that's exactly how I feel the Celtics are. I'll be very very surprised if the Celtics don't win on Sunday night and come back to the Garden on Wednesday and we have a two out of three game series against Chicago with two of the games in Boston. That's, that's good to
0: hear. We, we talked about Brad Stevens a bit. Taken a lot of criticism, maybe unfairly, in the media after game two. What he did with Gerald Green last night was bold. That's the way I, the only way I could really uh, describe it, and it played out in the Celtics' favor. Did you see that coming at all when there were the rumors surfacing about Brad doing a lineup change? Uh, no. Yeah, I, no uh, one did.
1: Cal and I talked about that, and we debated Marcus Smart. We debated Jalen uh, Brown. We debated a lot of people who thought could potentially be the guy, and there was... Not much heard from, from the Gerald Green precinct at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, Brad gave me a little wink uh, as he was going to a <laughs> and he just, he just bowed the words, Gerald Green, a little smile on his face. And i like, yeah, I nodded like, yep. None of us had figured that out. Um, and
0: neither did the Bulls, yeah. clearly. Any, nice. Anybody
1: who's talking about having a problem with Brad Stevens is really not paying close attention to what's going on. Uh, clearly. Um, he, 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 he is one of the top four coaches in the NBA.
0: I would agree with you. you know how, I'll,
1: def- I'll, def- I'll defend that statement forever.
0: I agree with you. and you, you know, we all know how much we love Celtics fans, but they are a bit fickled. Two losses, all of a sudden Brad Stevens comes into question, and to me, that's silly. He took total control, outcoached Hoiberg in, in Game 3, because I sincerely don't think Chicago saw that lineup change uh, with, with Green at all either. It seemed like he almost upped the ante. I thought he was going to go with more minutes for the bigs uh, Zeller Jarebko, which got more minutes. Jarebco is so good in the playoffs last year rebounding. Why haven't we yep. seen more of him?
1: Um, I think we will. You know, again, the rebounding problem is one the Celtics are gonna have. Jonas Derevko can't solve that for the Celtics. Um, but the Celtics can get out rebound like they did last night and still win games pretty easily. Uh, if they're making the three, that's the three ball. That's trade off right there. So um, you know, again, this is who the Celtics are and they do it well. And they got to continue to do what they do. Uh, and uh, if they do that, uh, we'll face the winner of Washington, Atlanta. And we'll be talking about that.
0: Let's hope so. Uh, before I let you go, Mike, I know that you were uh, truly concerned after game two. It's great to see that, that you have turned it around for, for now game going into game four with the Celtics. Now kind of taking the momentum back with them. I guess, let's wrap it up with what are your you've kind of saying that the Celtics can uh, take over this series and bring it back and hopefully get off to round two what are the keys to the Celtics doing that moving forward and and uh, getting this playoff run back in order
1: well just continue to do what they're doing right continue to play that way um, but understand in, in what I'm saying about the, this particular series is Rondo is that much of a key uh, I, we would not be having this same conversation. If Rondo had played in the game last night and were 100, percent no matter what the result of the game was, Rondo would still be the guy that we would be talking about, and he would still be the guy that Celtics were having problems with. But take him out of the mix, and I think this is a, this is really a bit of a mismatch now.
0: Mike, have you um, ever seen have you ever seen a more perplexing player or personality than Rondo in no. all the years? No, right?
1: I mean the whole the whole little thing with sickness put out and nearly tripping James yeah. last night, then talking about an ACL that he had years ago. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, always been an interesting character, uh, and continues to be one. And I'll be curious to see whether the league takes any action on the foot, because it looked pretty obvious. It didn't look like he was stretching
0: his leg. No, and then he comes out and does the presser, which I thought was h- hilarious in a Rondo fashion. But he almost w- did the presser as a coach. Uh, he's just a perplexing, interesting character. And uh, I'm sorry for the Bulls yeah, that they. He's a wonderful talent. He is a under talent. unbelievable talent. So unique. Yeah. But uh, I'm sorry for the Bulls that they've lost him. I'm not sorry for the Celtics. It looks like the Celtics have gained momentum. Mike Gorman, thanks for joining us as always. And we'll catch you on the broadcast Sunday or tonight, Sunday night. But I'll see you on Wednesday. I'll be on. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Man. Thanks, Mike. Tell everybody hi. Okay. Appreciate it. You're
1: back. You bet. Thank you. Sounds Bye-bye.
0: Well, Celtics fans, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. And I can't thank you enough for bearing with me this week. Larry H. Russell's shoes are—they're are, they're big shoes to fill, so I, I can only try my best. And I do want to thank two guys I am a big fan of. That's Jared Weiss from CLNS. You could find him at Jared Weiss NBA, and of course, the legendary Mike Gorman at Celtics Voice. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock and Steph Legrateau. Be sure to check us out on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics Beat NBA. You can like Celtics Beat on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash Celtics Beat. And again, thanks to our guests Jared Weiss and Mike Gorman of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Our sponsor, Blue Apron. Don't forget, blueapron.com forward slash Celtics beat free free meals free shipping for our staff writer Eddie Santiago executive producer Larry H. Russell I'm Nick Jell so don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CLNS underscore Nick LHR will be back next week with another edition of Celtics beat powered by CLNS